All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Break the Rules stream. I am your host, Lev Polyakov, at Levpo on Twitter. It is a great pleasure to be here with Sticks Hexenhammer 666 back with us. And for the first time, Alex Stein, 99 Prime Time. Welcome, Alex. It is a great pleasure to be here along with our furry friends. This is Steve, everybody. Say hi, Steve. Steve's been a Steve. uh, long. Steve's been a longtime cat uh, of mine. He's a wonderful, wonderful person, and I'm glad to have him here for a bit on the stream. And uh, before we start, I'm just curious. Uh, oh, and of course, uh, everybody subscribe, like, click the bell for Steve. Click the bell for this beautiful black cat, Steve. So what I'm curious about is the cat thing. Sticks, you've been a fan of cats. Alex, you've been a fan of cats. I just want to start this conversation off by asking why cats. Uh, and let's start with Alex, since you're new here. Well, I have, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm sure it's the same, as I suffer from debilitating toxoplasmosis, which is a parasite in their fecal matter from changing their litter box, which infects your brain. And they actually say the toxoplasmosis is so strong that it's able to infect rats, where rats would actually go up to the cats, like thinking that they were their friend. And then the rats would use the toxoplasmosis. You know, they would be under the hypnosis of the toxoplasmosis, and the cats would kill them because it was so strong. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I always grew up with dogs. I got my dog right here. But once you get a cat, the difference between a cat and a dog, a dog is like a slut, like a prostitute. Like anybody can, you know, have it sniff its balls. But a cat, you have to buy it treats. You have to romance it. And once you do, it's like a supermodel. Once you get that love, it's a lot better than the love of the whore on the street. So it's, you know, it's just a little more complicated. Sticks, <laughs> would you agree with that? Are you, are you a fan of cats for the same reason? I'll, I'll be more prosaic and just say that cats rule and they are snow glued. Mm -hmm. Mm. That is all that matters is they can fit into literally any container that you try to put them in, and they immediately turn to liquid. Dogs yeah, generally remain the solid. I like this quote from Winston Churchill. Always remember, a cat looks down on man, a dog looks up to a man, but a pig will look a man right in the eye and see his equal. And then get turned well, I like bacon, that. Though, so. Mm. Well, I'm a vegetarian. I don't even eat meat. I'm, I used to eat a lot of pigs, but you know, that's what we say about pigs. You can like domesticate a pig like a dog. I didn't realize that until I watched some videos online where people were like freaking, uh, you know, hanging out with their dogs. So yeah, I mean, hang out with their pig like it's a dog. And on the other hand, did yeah. you ever have a BLT? Because then you'll deconvert for, uh, from vegetarianism. I know they're the best. Trust me, I love it. It is the freaking best. Everybody knows how good meat is. I miss it, but uh, I'm a soy boy now, officially. <laughs> Why did you choose to become a vegetarian? Well, a lot of different reasons, but honestly, it's like uh, I got into conspiracies, and that's not just the main reason. But like they talk about Hillary Clinton talks about like adrenochrome or whatever, and obviously that could be bullshit. My point being is like the adrenalized blood of children, they think gives them some sort of, you know, anti-aging formula. And I feel like when you eat the cow, you're eating the adrenalized blood of the cow. So I just kind of feel like it's low vibrational. I'm a little bit of a Woodstock hippie, a fake Woodstock, Woodstock hippie. So I just stopped eating meat and started eating cheese. But I've gained about 35 pounds in the past year, even though I've been doing it now about three years. I'm just saying this past year, I've been eating so much fucking uh, uh Pasta and pizza. It's Olive Garden. I love the bright sticks at Olive Garden. I got to stop <laughs> eating them. You, you've got to go keto then. Mm. Would it be possible? No, no That's more true. carbs for you. 
Is it possible to go keto without killing animals, like only have eggs and cheese and stuff like that? I think it you is. See, I have eggs. I have eggs. I think eggs aren't, you know, aren't bad. I think eggs are good. You have some chickens. Uh, but like I said, I just, uh, and I eat cheese, and cheese is terrible, like the way they factory farm cheese. So I'm kind of a hypocrite. But now that I've gone this long, I, I just don't even want to eat meat anymore. You know, like they give me, like, I could have never thought this in my life. Let's say I order like a pizza or something, and it comes with meat. I, I don't eat it. I, I just would have never thought. I'm so anti-food waste, and I was sitting here talking about my vegetarian. But I just would have never thought. I'd, like sometimes I've thrown pizza in the trash if I didn't have somebody to give it to. And I just would have never thought in the reality in a world that I live in, and growing up listening and watching the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles so much that I'd ever throw away pizza. So it's weird. Yes. Yeah, do you do you agree with me? Uh, pineapple goes on pizza. A hundred percent. Are you kidding? The tanginess of Good. the sauce mixed with the sweetness of the pineapple, it's probably the most delicious uh, flavor combination. It's like an explosion in your mouth of the sweet mm. and the salty. It's what they call in the uh, it, yeah, in Japanese culture, they call that umami, you know, where you have the sweetness and the savory. So, yeah, no, it's one of the most brilliant combinations ever in my opinion. So, so you are not one of the Razor Force heretics that believes that pineapple does not go on pizza, which makes you a bro. Yeah, I'm a bro all the way. Listen, I'll eat any weird combination. You know, I, I don't, uh, I don't uh, abide by society's rules. I hate rules. I want to habitually break the rules, like this. Podcast. Break the rules. That's right. Mm -hmm. Now, what, what about meat that's not factory farm? For example, I know that certain vegetables that you get at the regular market. You know, maybe little bunnies and little animals died in the production of those vegetables just by the mm -hmm. sheer amount of factory farming. But when it comes to meat, like you know where the cow comes from, you know who slaughtered it. Would that be a difference, karmically speaking? Like, would you eat those animals? Well, I mean, I, I don't, but that is a lot better, like an animal that you hunt. But I, I was watching an old Ali G thing, and they asked, like, he asked the questions, like he was, he was like trolling these vegetarians, and they said one of the one of like the hardest questions they asked in their college, um, I forget which class it was, but they asked him, "Would you eat this if there's two chickens?" And they said, "You have to eat this dead chicken, or else I'm going to kill this live chicken." Would you eat the meat? That is what they said to them, and then you know that was kind of like the conundrum. And I would do that if there was like a, you know, a fried chicken in front of me. They said, I'm going to kill this chicken if you don't eat this meat. I would eat the meat in that conundrum. Mm. Now, I'm kind of curious about your religious views here, because the kind of things that you're into right now, it seems like you are more spiritual than you are religious. But you were brought up uh, Jewish to a certain extent, right? No, no, no. Actually, so my grandfather was a Jew and he didn't raise my dad. And uh, he actually went and started another family in New York. So I was actually raised Christian. So that's why I'm kind of like, you know, I should be a Jew technically. But I know I was actually baptized and raised a Christian. And I definitely believe in God 100 percent. I think that, the, you know, it'd be it'd be kind of insane to think that everything started from nothing and that the Big Bang created everything and that literally like. Uh, you know, we evolved from pond scum. I just, I, I, for me, it sounds like scientism more than it does uh, a reality, personally. What about you, Sticks? Where do you stand on uh, where everything was created from? I'm more apatheistic, but uh, there is the possibility of such a cosmic force. And that's something that won't be admitted to by uh, hardline atheists, which is rather interesting. They, and claim also a no they claim a gnosis about its non-existence. And you also lean on reincarnation existing, right? Yes, I believe in string theory, so I believe in reincarnation by default. Non-karmic, of course. Why not karmic? Why do you throw karma out? Uh, well, that wouldn't be very good for most people now, would it? <laughs> no, it, it just doesn't make any sense, because it uh, all relies on man's judgment. 
But yeah, so there is the possibility of a cosmic creative force, uh, which is something that in, in the past, like I had been a hardline atheist. I don't know if Alex, if you know anything about my spiritual beliefs in the past, I was a hardline atheist. And over time, it just got kind of boring because it just becomes a circle jerk of people saying, well, there's no God. And then they have a plethora of different derivations from off of that. Uh, and I became more spiritual. So, no, I agree with you. I mean, I, I was never I don't think I was ever like a hardline atheist, but it may be more like agnostic. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just I just when you look at the. Um chain of events of how we got here i just feel like there had to be somebody that plus pressed play somewhere for this all to start i don't know who that is i don't know you know how that works but i just don't think it's all an accident personally but do you see for example the kind of traditions that uh, people have in the united states as far as the christians as that being important and would you say that there's still even if there's no way to prove whether or not they believe you know whether or not this is something that's true that they believe in it's still something that people have to do in order for there to be a uh, cohesive society. There has to be some kind of a religious dogma in order to keep stability. I mean, kind of. I mean, I feel like there should be a little, like, I, like it, what it does is it holds people to a moral standard that they might have to pay for their consequences. So I think that's kind of a good thing, honestly. Then a religion, I personally think it is. I mean, does society necessarily need it? Yeah, because if we were, if we didn't have it whatsoever, and we'd all be atheists. And I think that's the problem with society now is why we have like this transgender movement with kids. It's like this atheistic mindset where nothing matters. So all these young kids are basically growing up, um, you know, where they can pick their gender. They don't have any sort of remorse for their actions. And I think you should, you know, I guess be held accountable for, you know, what is it? Uh, actions have consequences. Sticks, do you concur? Uh, generally speaking, although I don't think that religion is necessary, I think spirituality is a good thing. Uh, I would say organized religion in the sense of actually having like a hierarchical structure, it tends to be rather unhelpful. Uh, I agree. Having, yeah, I, I agree. I think organized religion is one of the biggest plights on man. I'm not saying we shouldn't have it, but it's, you know, the organized religion is used as a weapon against the people as well. Yeah, well, look at what well, look at the Marxist pope. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you can look at uh, basically a lot of the wars that we've had. I mean, you know, and, and just look at the Middle East now. You look at the conflict between Israel and Palestine. I mean, you know, it's like they'll never come together because of the religious dogma that they have. And it's just kind of like now we're all going to be drawn into the war. America, you know, we're such a supporter of Israel. So it's just we'll, we'll never be able to actually solve things in the Middle East all because of organized religion. We'll get really fiery here and talk about circumcision rates. <laughs> yeah, well, what about that? I was just thinking, you know, everybody's the anti-circumcision. I wonder, I'm circumcised. I just wonder, you know, what would be different if I wasn't circumcised? Yeah. Maybe Probably the not much, but I mean, I, as, an, as an intactivist by default, uh, I happen to oppose it myself. I, uh, I'm not a big fan of circumcision uh, either, despite my uh, Jewish heritage. And I would say, though, that with something like circumcision, maybe the original point was to lessen the pleasure so that people are going to be more disciplined. At least that was uh, what the Kellogg's guy thought when he was giving this uh, cereal that's very bland to people. You know, he wanted to completely get rid of the sexual urge that uh, men had and just make them very complacent and compliant. His, his, his cereal turned people on too much. He started getting worried. <laughs> yeah, but wait, it was. That's why he made the cereal to stop people from masturbating. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. <laughs> 
But that's, well, I guess that's the other concern here, that uh, people have a lot of this energy that they don't really know what to do with, and that's why I think we have all these wars and we have these conflicts. Do you think it's natural for people to be in conflict, to have war? And if, like, if you suppress that urge for violence, then it's going to erupt in some other way that's even worse than it would have otherwise? Well, I'm a conflict interventionist. I don't think that we should ever have war. War doesn't make sense. The fact that we're human beings and we have to kill each other with guns and we can't come to an agreement. So, I mean, I'm as anti-war as it gets. I mean, you look at, like, uh, you know, the war in the Middle East. So we started a 20-year war and we killed millions of Muslims over weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist. And I think that you can look at the Vietnam War. I don't know a justified war that we've been in ever, in my opinion. It's uh, difficult to say, like with the USSR, for example, I don't know, Sticks, what you think of this, but uh, when it comes to going to war against somebody who you know, at least if you're not just in it for the money and for enriching your friends, if you know that there is a good chance that there could be an even bigger conflict, is it morally right to prevent a bigger conflict with a smaller conflict preemptively? Possibly so, but I think that the people that make those decisions are among the most corrupt people in society, and therein really lies the problem now, doesn't it? The people that have the most to gain off of creating a war are the ones that are telling you, hey, we have to kill this person now, otherwise we'll have to kill 10,000 people down the road. I, I think that's more of a problem. I'm not pacifistic, uh, but that being said, the people that have the actual guns i mean in the military sense they have the little red button and so forth tend to not be very trustworthy i just don't know if there was a time when they ever were <laughs> trustworthy i think people are always going to have those instincts regardless of what side you're on so for me it's a matter of just choosing the best of all the worst uh, choices here to make sure that we don't get into something even worse like let's say with world war ii for example hitler was expanding onwards even beyond whatever it is that he wanted germany to have you know uh to make up for the losses in world war one so that's why i'm always on the side of like let's make sure that we know what exactly is going on with these particular individuals whether they're going to expand or not and if they are going to expand is there any way that they could be contained and their force lessened just for not for the sake of enriching these people who probably are going to be enriched because a lot of people are corrupt that's their nature but just to make sure that the absolute worst doesn't happen i don't know alex that's that's my point of view. I don't know where you stand on making those harder decisions as opposed to just saying outright I am anti-war no matter what, and that's it. Well, I'm kind of anti-war no matter what. I mean, seriously, I mean, I, I kind of like Switzerland. I mean, you look at the, what's happening in the Donbass region of the Ukraine, and now they don't want to give them a little bit of property. Or, or like people say, oh, well, if you give a mouse a cookie, you got to give them milk, and you know, Russia's going to take over. But Russia has a real beef. I mean, NATO promised not to keep expanding you know, east towards Russia. So I think that they have – what, am I wrong, Lev? Am I yes. wrong? Yes, you're wrong okay, about what that. Am I, what, what am I wrong? What, what, which part am I wrong about? So the part about NATO expanding, if you look at the original document of what it was that what that was about, it was talking specifically in relation to East Germany and West Germany. That was what the conversation was about at that time. Now we have a united Germany. It's a different story. So as far as the origin of that particular understanding that NATO is not going to expand. The other thing is that back then people were not really sure what direction Russia was going to go in. And that's why I always think it's important to look at where exactly 
the country is is it going to be more corrupt is it going to be more warmongering and respond uh, to whatever situation that country is going to be in as opposed to imagining a country just being the static just being in the static state of we are going to be like this forever and ever that's why if i look at russia for example with the kind of things that putin talks about wanting to resurrect the russian empire of peter the great as somebody who still has people there, who has had a long history of people who know people who are around Putin, this is not something that I would take, uh, you know, as just this fantasy. This is something that I take quite realistically. So I always want to be on guard to make sure that there is not going to be this kind of expansion, at least for the sake of preventing something even worse. That's that's the only thing I can do there. Okay, Lev, well, well, are you familiar with Hunter Biden and his illegal business dealings with Burisma, an energy company in the Ukraine? Absolutely. And that's horrible. And this is, by the way, and I want to get back to sticks as well, but this is the thing that I really hate the most about a lot of people who do support Ukraine, where a lot of them also happen to support a lot of woke policies and a lot of them turn a blind eye to whatever corruption happens with Hunter Biden. And I'm not going to put myself in that category of being pro one thing and anti the other thing. And this is kind of the other thing that I wanted to get into here, where it seems like we are kind of like the topic of this discussion being uh, de-radicalization. We are getting radicalized to such an extent where you, Alex, for example, you would accept certain things and other things, maybe you dug into them a little bit, not that much, and you're still going to accept them because it's going to be way harder to take a stance where all of a sudden maybe Tucker's not going to be that big of a fan of either your stance or somebody else's stance. If you Tucker's happen to... my biological father. He will I always know. be my number one fan, Lev, so do not bring my dad no matter into what. this. Okay? No matter yeah. what. See, always, you can... Even if I have a different viewpoint of my father. You can be totally pro-Ukraine. You can be totally pro-Ukraine, and he's going to be uh, cool with you. Well, that's, that's you know, good you to know. You know, Lev, what I would say is uh, I, I would prefer to just be pro-USA. And exactly, Ukraine, America Ukraine first. And Russia, yeah, let them fight each other. You know, Ukraine doesn't have nukes. If Russia uses their own on Ukraine, then they get curb stomped. Ukraine can't use them because they don't have them. Let them fight it out. Uh, I'm tired of sending tens of billions of U.S. taxpayer dollars over into the melee over there. I, I don't understand. At this point, I don't even understand the point. <laughs> All right. Here, here's the last. Here's the last thing that I'll say about this particular discussion. So. If I was of the opinion that Putin was not going to expand, I would be 100% for your idea and Alex's idea here. I wouldn't care. I'd say, you know what, let's focus on the United States. The problem is that it seems to me this is very similar to what happened before World War II, where America, not to mention Europe, they had PTSD after World War I. The economy was in the shitter. They did not want to do anything that would make him go back into that horrible situation. I don't blame them. But then the problem was like, when would be the right time to do something? How deep in the shit do you have to be as far as this other foreign power like Germany, let's say back in the day, expanding until you do do something? That's well, why World, World yeah. War One was caused by globalism and then by the Treaty of Versailles, the uh, onerous and burdensome attack on the German people thereafter, even though they weren't the ones that were actually the progenitor of the war. So... No, and I agree. I agree if, there. If you, if you overlap the lap that logic with what's happening right now, that would almost be a pro-Russian position. But you're talking about the Treaty of Versailles, and it does suck that things went that way. Things could have gotten a different way. Even Churchill said that he thought World War II was the unnecessary war. But that doesn't mean that that situation that people found themselves in when Hitler was expanding 
was not there. That's a situation people just happen to find themselves in, regardless of what the hell happened before. So that's what I'm saying. Like, we're, we are where we are right now. Things could have done... Things could have been done differently with Russia. But now the question is, like, what do we do? If we only focus on the United States, maybe that works out well. Maybe Russia is not going to expand. But if it is going to expand, I'm just saying we're going to find ourselves in deeper shit than we are right now. Yeah, we should have yeah. listened to Patton and fought Russia back when it was led by actual communists. Yes, yes, I agree. Even if that means I wouldn't have been born, probably, because, uh, you know, the conflict would have probably decimated Russia and my parents would have ever found each other. That would be worth it i think for the well, Soviet Union not to exist. it's funny it's funny you say that because i always think about the butterfly effect and i always think about like back when now i'm a dallas cowboys fan even though they suck and i always like well, i'll watch like an old dallas cowboys you know thing where they lost in the nfc championship game before i was born and i like to think that if they would have won that game none of us would be here you know i wouldn't even be born so it's like it's funny everything had to happen exactly the way it did or else we wouldn't be here. So it's funny for us to have this revisionist history. We wish this would have happened. I just like that comedy said I wouldn't have been born. None of us would have been born if one thing, if literally the, the flap of a butterfly's wings could have caused a car accident. Somebody could have killed somebody and then it set off a chain of events. So it's like everything had to happen that exact way for us to be here. It's kind of, kind of trippy to think about that. Where do you think, Alex, all of this is going right now with the particular conflicts you happen to find yourself in with AOC, with all of these various uh, protesters? You are on the ground there. You're meeting all these people. Is it necessarily how we see it on the screen, how it's projected to us? Or is there something going on behind the scenes that we're not seeing when the cameras are not on when you're speaking to a lot of these people? What's going on there? Well, I mean, the real things that are happening in America, it's probably a lot of people fighting on keyboards in their computer. But there are people that are actually going and protesting. Uh, but I mean, if I had to describe like what's happening in society, it's like I think it's like a de-evolution of society. Like we're, we're just being more and more pitted against each other, which is what they want. They want us to keep fighting like this Roe versus Wade thing. It's been a dividing point where now there's all these people that were on the left that were like, you know, obese women that had nothing to do. Lesbians that don't even get pregnant, don't even have babies. You know, they had nothing to argue about. Now they're all constantly protesting. So I think it's just like kind of like how they... You know, uh, they use trauma-based mind control. I talk about this a lot in order to scare people, in order to make them feel like they can't get an abortion when it's now it's a state's right. You can go get an abortion anywhere. So there's going to constantly be protests. And when I watch like old clips and stuff, there's been people who have been protesting about crap. So I don't think it's any different. Maybe there's more vitriol, there's more hate, and there's more division. Uh, but I think that's all done on purpose. Like I do think there's like a probably a group of elite people that control us by making us fight each other. So we don't ever go after each other. But I, what I think is the most scary, it's not like the protesting, it's not the man on the street. What's most scary is what's happening like right now with Trump, whether you like him or not. I mean, I, I have some complaints about Trump, but now they're weaponized the Department of Justice to go after him. And there's a lot of other people, I think, uh, that would be ahead of him on that list. You look at Hillary Clinton, you look at Hunter Biden. There's just a lot of other illegal stuff that they could easily fine and so the fact they're going after trump it makes me worried and now they hired eighty-seven thousand irs agents that one of the job qualifications is they they must be able to use deadly force yeah i mean it's like <laughs> i'm more worried about our federal government than i am the people on the street fighting each other i think that's kind of just like uh that's not even you can you can decide to participate in a protest or not and not never affect your life but the federal government coming in and stomping on your neck that you can't choose yes or no about and uh, what do you think is the solution to that sticks? Do you think that we can roll back a lot of these problematic acts that were done by Biden and his uh, predecessors when it comes to the power of the federal government to encroach itself upon yeah. people? 
Yeah, I think that it's possible, but people need to uh, get up and get active. There can't be all of this civic unawareness anymore, where a lot of people, they think that their civic duty is show up on voting day, show up on election day, and cast a piece of paper into a machine. Well, clearly that doesn't work. We've, we've tried that. It's not enough. People need to get more active. Uh, protesting is part of that. Another thing, running for office, knocking on doors, canvassing. And also not, refusing to not speak out, which is like what we're doing here. We're exercising our free speech. There are a lot of people out there that are afraid uh, to do, you know, sort of, sort of the comedic or satirical things that Alex Stein does. There are people that are afraid to analyze things as I do. There are people who are afraid to host shows as you do, Lev. Um, we're not being cowardly about it, but there are a lot of people out there that self-silence, I think, at this point. They, self, uh, they self-censor uh, really, because they're afraid of the system and they feel that it can't be overcome. They don't realize that if they contribute, it can be overcome. Yeah. And, and well, I just want to say this one, too. When we talk about people like, you know, picking their roles and deciding what to do. You know, one of the things that I do, uh, you know, it, it comes out of Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals is I obviously I make fun of myself, but I'm trying to mock these politicians, whether it's to their face in front of the Capitol, whether it's at a city council meeting, because that's the only way I think with humor that we can almost break people out of this trance, you know, this like left, right, you know, whatever identity politics trance. We have to make fun of these people. And everybody has a different role to play. You know, it's like a football team. One guy's offensive lineman, one guy's a quarterback, one guy's a wide receiver, whatever. Everybody has their different role. But we all need to do something instead of just letting them take take us over and, you know, and lying down because we feel like, oh, well, we can't do anything. We need to slow down the, you know, acceleration into total annihilation of our future. But what exactly are we leading uh, towards here? Because I'm not opposed to the idea that we do various things to restore the republic, to restore the checks and balances of the system so that it lasts for a long time and that it's as fair as possible. But what I don't like is the idea of this one-upsmanship that, well, we're going to bring Trump into power and it's going to be dark MAGA and he's going to bring in the right-wing <laughs> death squads. And you know, Alex, like yeah. I don't think you think that. Obviously, Stiggs does not think yeah. that. But there are a lot of people out there, I think, who wouldn't mind if we did have a theocracy, if we had like the opposite of what whatever system is in right now, where now it's our guy who's in charge. And the one thing that I am uh, very uh, not a fan of when it comes to Trump is the idea, and I'm curious what you guys think about this, is the idea that if he does not like somebody, he's going to get rid of them. And it could be for not even their policies, but uh, what they think about what they think about Trump. And even if you say, well, Trump's going to do everything correct, he's going to pass all the right acts, what exactly are the chilling effects of that? Where later on, maybe we'll have uh, AOC, Queen uh, AOC in office, <laughs> and she's going to adopt the same things. And by that point, people are going to be used to this idea. Well, now that we have power, we're going to use it to clamp down on everybody. And there's not even going to be these competing branches. And we're just going to, I don't know, I'm painting a very black pill scenario right now. But I'm just saying that I think people should be a little bit more concerned about anybody who acts like... Uh, you know, whatever is said against them, they're just going to fire this person. They're going to get rid of this person. Not so much. Well, they're they're not a good person for the job. Like oh, that's we've the, had yeah. that going on for a very long time. Anyway, it doesn't start with Trump. It doesn't even start with Obama. So it's really no change when it comes to that. Sure. I'm not saying that this is not something that hasn't happened before. I'm just saying that it seems like people who are on the right would not be as opposed to that being done as long as it's on 
as long as it's their guy. I know. Am I nobody am I would on either sides, Lev. Nobody would care as long as it's on their side. The people don't care if they cheat. The people don't care if other their opponents die. No, I mean they, they don't care if they. You're right. If they, if if Trump got in and started like you know publicly executing people on the left, people would probably cheer. I mean seriously, I'm not saying it's that far right, but there would be you know some people that are like, oh, well, this is pretty cool. Like I hate AOT. I hate. <laughs> Because people are just, we're soft-brained at most people, you know? And they're just like, it's almost like, uh, I like the Dallas Cowboys, so I hate all the other teams, you know? It's just this identity politics that's ruining. When really, I, like they say, oh, Alex, you're conservative. I'm not even that conservative. I'm really more of a populist. There's some stuff like I feel like we should have socialized medicine. And obviously, I don't like the government getting involved in stuff because the government's stupid. But regardless, uh, you know, I feel like we have a system where the government's going to exist no matter what. So we should try to figure out how it can benefit the people. So my point being is I think most people meet in the middle, but they don't, you know, they have to pick a side. And that's where we really get screwed up is picking sides. Do you think then it's important to have a responsible uh, group of elites? Because I know that it's very anti-elite, the whole uh, atmosphere of the uh, uh, Trump movement. But I do think that people need to have some elite. There's always going to be a natural hierarchy, right? You're always going to have some people who are going to acquire power. And the question is, how do we make sure that that elite is a responsible one as opposed to what I think is an irresponsible one today? So I know no elites. All elites suck. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, meritocracy. I don't want all these elites that inherited everything that inherited a country. I mean, uh, no, no way. No elites. But do we have a choice in the matter? Because it's easy to say, well, I don't want any elites, but I think elites well, are naturally. Exist. Yeah. Yes, yes, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, no, the elitist, I don't like it. I try to have, like, no ego. I try to be anti-elitist because I think that's, like, one of the problems that people just have this elitist mentality, even when they're not elite. You know, they, we think we're better than everybody when really we all have – we all look in the mirror. We're all self-conscious about something. We all have our own interpersonal issues. So it's just kind of like, uh, I don't like this idea that because I have money, I'm better than you. That actually makes me sick. Well, Sticks, I don't know. What do you think about this idea that there's always going to be elites? And how do we go about making sure that they're going to be responsible elites? Well, they never will be is the uh, short answer. What I would say is that uh, the, the way to do it is have a total meritocratic system. So the people that tend to rise to the top, at the very least, there's some sort of skill. There's some sort of reason why they're there. Uh, I, I have a feeling that we can take care of society in general and make sure that nobody is literally a starving urchin on the street without robbing people who happen to be at the top, economically, in power, whatever, uh, of their particular position, if they've gained that position. They weren't sent, they're not simply there because they cocked a deal with some foreign state or something. There's a reason why they're there. This is the difference between even like the tech hierarchy, which... You know, you can admire them at least on a fiscal basis, even though they've been corrupted by the politicians at this point. Uh, there's a big difference between them and somebody who happens to have a lot of money, a lot of power, et cetera, et cetera, simply because of their name or something like that. Well, let's take, for example, I'm going to be very contrarian right now to probably what a lot of people think, which is, import which is important to do here, where let's say the wall. Let's say right now we have Biden building the wall again. What if there were more people around his circle, around Obama's circle? Because I think Obama was building somewhat of a wall, too, who were thinking to themselves when Trump was saying, well, we're going to build a wall, we're going to kick out, yada, yada, yada. Maybe they were saying deep inside, shit, why did he have to open his big mouth and say this? Now we can't build a wall anymore. So 
it's almost like my Machiavellian mind works in this way where I think that there are people out there who pretend to be one thing, who pretend to be the socialists, these woke people, but really maybe there are some people in that circle that want there to be a wall, that want there to be a border, but know that they have to just ingratiate themselves to the idiots in order to keep getting elected, meanwhile doing the wall building behind the scenes. What is your approach to this? Do you think it's better to have a very honest, populist, head-on approach saying, this is what I want to do, elites be damned? Or is it better to, to a certain extent, pretend to say, oh, I love migrants and yada, 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 meanwhile, behind the scenes, building the wall and actually getting things done without the press getting in the way? Well, it's all fake. Look at Mayor Bowser, the mayor of D.C., and then Eric Adams in New York City. They're complaining about a few busloads of migrants going to New York City and D.C. Right now, they want to call in the National Guard. They want federal government support. Yet here in Texas, every day I see busloads of immigrants get out. Get out. So I go to Bachman Lake where I walk all the time. There's literally busloads of people that get let off by the lake. They have their masks on. They have their backpack. And I'm not even anti-immigration, but when you look at the drug trafficking, the sex trafficking that's coming through our border, there's over 108,000 drugs overdose deaths this past year because of fentanyl so it's like the people on the left are like oh you know uh uh nobody's illegal on stolen land and and you know they say all this stupid crap like that and like anybody can come here if they go to their neighborhood they say get the hell out i want the national guard in here so they're all hypocrites and 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 i'm here in texas i see the immigrants and i'm not even anti-immigrant i'm just anti-sex trafficking and anti-drugs so the idea of a wall like the bare minimum of you know a border i think that's it's ridiculous that we don't have that but isn't Biden building one now? And if he is, then he's building the already he's building the already prepaid for remnant of the Trump wall. Hmm. The only yeah. thing this this was news months ago. Uh, he, all he did was there was a what was it? One point four billion or something like that. It had been allocated for certain elements of the wall in parts of Texas and Arizona. And Biden at at midnight effectively low key on page b put out a presser saying okay yeah we're actually going to continue the building that trump started it's it's not biden improving anything he's just going forward with trump's initial plan after delaying it for the better part of a year so it's not it's not biden attempting to improve the border he's doing it basically because the money was already there and couldn't i guess be spent on anything else but wouldn't the he idea bezzle it well, wouldn't the, wouldn't the idea be that if he was so uh, pro having this influx of people coming into America to destroy it from within, why would he even build, why would he continue that project in the first place? Because, because that project has to be continued for years and years to come to actually be completed. Trump got the ball rolling, did a great job, at least in my opinion, definitely improved things over hundreds of miles of border, but there's a lot more than a few hundred miles of border. And but, he was mm -hmm. and, and Trump was delayed, underfunded. He was obstructed by his own house. Biden is simply doing the last few tens of miles of border that needed to already be either built or retrofitted. That's that's definitely not Biden attempting to keep people out of the country. That's, again, the, the very not even the bare minimum. That's the sub bare minimum, which is that a handful of crossings that were specifically earmarked for improvements happen to be, you know, you've already got the material and the money there. And, and so you're like, well, otherwise I'm adding to unemployment because all of these laborers have already been contracted to build the wall. Oh, well, you know, midterms approach. I might as well just uh, get it done. It's, it's just about the money for Joe Biden and, and the appearance. 
you don't think it would have been possible for Joe Biden if he really didn't want there to be any obstruction to the migrants coming in to say outright, we're going to leave this wall alone. We're not going to do anything there. Let let the migrants come through. I'm not going to add one more brick to this wall. Well, that would be politically uh, un- unfeasible. <laughs> I guess so. I'm just, yeah. wall, you've, got your, you've got your answer. The wall is bullshit, though. I mean, the wall, they can go under a wall, they can go over a wall. They just don't want to symbolically build it, Lev, uh, because of the uh, optics. But now you're saying that he is kind of building it. He's not really. Like, you know, the fact that they're doing a couple miles in Yuma, Arizona, where, like, the hole is so massive. I mean, it's like using, like, a paper towel to try to stop a waterfall. I mean, it's not, you know, they, they need to actually put, instead of having, you know, this imperialism mindset where we have army bases all over the world, we ought to put army bases on our border if they really cared about our border. Because I'm telling you, it's an actual invasion. Like, it's an actual uh, military crisis, in my opinion, when, it, when you talk about the drugs and the sex trafficking and the kids. But they don't, they, don't, they don't care about that. All they want to care about is, you know, the border between Russia and Ukraine. And you'll, and you'll note that uh, Russia, the uh, border czar has not yet visited the southern border. Kamala doesn't want to go into the Biden cages for a reason. <laughs> she doesn't want to show people. She doesn't want to have a photo op next to the wall. And then the camera pans over 10 feet to the left or to the right, and you see that the wall's not actually there. That's really what this is about. But just in terms of political strategy here, if we were to put our political strategist hats on, would you say that there is something to the idea of saying one thing to the people or saying it in such a way that the press unlike what Trump was doing, the press would not be able to use as much ammunition against you, meanwhile, behind the scenes, doing exactly what needs to be done in order to build a wall, in order to have a lot more security for the United States. I'm just trying to see if the approach that was taken lately, where everybody's just going head on with whatever it is that they think is the thing that needs to be said to the people, I need to be honest, I need to be true, I need to say these things and mean them, Meanwhile, all that can be jujitsued against you and getting people who otherwise would have uh, voted for you to now consider you to be the devil incarnate. Yeah, but the, but the, your point is right. It's uh, you could do that for strategic purposes, but the thing is, Biden's not doing that. He's just using the the last bit of remnant money to clear up a few places because otherwise, you have all of these chunks of wall and all of this money unspent. And Biden loves spending money. It's not to actually try to stop anyone. You could use that as a strategy. You're, you're correct. But that's not, I think, what he's doing. I think he's just in the, in the dead of night, very hush-hush. He okays that project, says, okay, and uh, Trump will get the last bit of wall and leaves it at that. I don't I think don't, there's any grand strategy involved. I don't just mean it in terms of Biden. I mean it even more in terms of Trump and the MAGA movement, where there's a lot of people I know in New York City who absolutely hate Trump's guts who nevertheless, mm-hmm. if you were to ask them about certain policies, I think they even did that, right? Like where they were talking about these policies being Obama's and then revealing at the end, oh, these are actually Trump's policies and people being, oh my God. So I think there are more people who would agree with Trump's Lev. policies, but they're just turned off. Yeah, of course, because uh, you know people actually like our country, but there's so many like TikTokers and YouTubers that go and ask people, and I've done the same thing you asked, you know, people, especially like the black community, you know, do you miss Trump? Everybody says yes, because gas has doubled in price. And even though it's gone down 70 cents, that's not a win when it's double the price that it was on November 5th, 2020. So, you know, it's like people do want to go back to when they could afford stuff, but this is an actual attack, a coordinated attack on the middle class. They want us to have nothing. It's just basically like the World Economic Forum, like Klaus Schwab says, you will own nothing and you will be happy so like you know maybe trump steps in the way of that a little bit 
because uh, he's not as big a globalist as these people like uh, Joe Biden, because they're actual globalists. You know, they really want to destabilize America in order to gain, in order for these multinational corporations that pay their bills, that pay them all their money, in order to gain global dominance. So that's the problem in society is that we're not being run by humans. We're being run by actual corporations. And Trump is emboldened to those corporations, too. So, you know, and, and, you know, he, he acts like he's America first and some of his tactics are American first, but it's not really fully America first. But I think people would like him more than Biden, his policies, definitely. Well, it was, it was Romney that said corporations are people and Romney seems to viscerally hate the MAGA movement. Can you imagine yeah. Imagine him, especially on the night, I think four days from now with the Liz Cheney primary and how hilarious that will be. Oh, man. Well, she's getting crushed. I think she's down like 57 points or something like that. And her dad, I mean, Dick Cheney is a literal war criminal. I mean, say what you will about 9-11, but they said they had weapons of mass destruction and they went and started a never-ending war. I mean, I guess it ended after 20 years and murdered millions of people, you know, over what? Over literally weapons that didn't exist. And her dad was the architect of that whole thing. So he's more evil than Trump ever could be, in my opinion. And she looks like Miss Piggy. This, uh... Yeah. This isn't so much about the policies themselves, but again, if we were to put on the political strategist hats, if we want a lot of the policies that are more MAGA-oriented to succeed, as opposed to being stampeded on by people who otherwise would have been in favor of them, do you think that maybe it is we're taking a step back and thinking about a kind of strategy where people who are... I'm not, I'm not talking about like the woke coastal elites. I'm just talking about like average people who don't really know where to go they find themselves to be politically orphaned that maybe certain approaches that are taken by people who are in the MAGA movement are so ham-fisted as to turn a lot of those potentially uh, viable voters off maybe a little bit i mean yeah well but honestly no at the same time i mean you know i think a lot of people in the maga movement are like you know america first yeah you know when it goes really cutarded and they say jfk jr is coming back to become president yeah that turns people off but like people just wearing a red hat and being patriotic i don't know i think that like i don't think the black community or hispanic community is turned off by that i don't know uh how women feel but um no, I don't think it's as toxic as it seems. I think some of the stuff on the left is even more toxic. So, uh, no, I don't know if it's that big of a turnoff to people. But like I said, are we ever going to meet in the middle? No, people are going to vote blue no matter who. And, you know, if the election can be, you know, uh, you know, uh, if they can put their thumb on the scale, we may never, ever have a, a one uh, that we can uh, trust ever again. That's a good point. Yeah, and Lev, uh, you got to understand that there are people in the Democratic Party that are like they have Pol Pot 2024 T-shirts <laughs> in mind. So I wouldn't think there's anything particularly ham-fisted about the uh, about the MAGA movement. I would say that the QAnon thing is a liberal LARP. That's not. I mean, that is definitely astroturf. I, I would say like this: yeah. it's not. It's not as ham-fisted as far as the radical left people go. I think those are way more ham-fisted. I mean, Alex, you've had uh, plenty of experience being around them. My approach, though, is the people who I know, the New York City people who are not are not happy about the crime rate, are not happy about a lot of these things that I think they'll agree with Trump supporters on, they have this impression of Trump that was given to them by the worst things 
that he said. Like, even if those things were misconstrued, even if you talk about, like, the Mexican comment, you know, about Mexicans being rapists, even if he technically was not saying that, he was technically talking about the uh, bandits that go over the border, still, the very fact that he gave that kind of ammunition to people basically mean that now the people who work at Google, Facebook, who actually would have been on the side of a lot of these MAGA policies, let's say, they can't even say that now. They're stuck. Yeah, but, but Lev, anybody that realizes this, that people can get deported and they don't have to face the same punishment that you and I would have to here in America. We would have to do our crime, but they can go and, and ICE and ICE will deport them and then they can come sneak right across the border and just live illegally again. So that's what he was talking about. It's not just the normal person trying to escape for a better life to America. Sure. He, he was talking about these career criminals that literally use America as a way to commit crime and when they get caught for that crime, instead of paying their, you know, their repentance or, you know, if you do the crime, you must commit the time. Whatever the saying is, I don't even know it. I'm just saying they don't have to do that. They're held to a lower standard than you and I are as citizens, and they get to go back to their home country and sneak right across the border. So that actually is a big issue. And now you see, like, sometimes when they do these border pickups, there's people that were ex-rapists, actual rapists, you know, or actual, you know, murderers that have gone across the border. So, yeah, it looked bad optically because he, he, you know, it looked like he lumped in every Hispanic person as a rapist. That's not what he meant. And anybody with half a brain realizes that and that's they're being very no people people don't realize that that's the problem and even the people who do hispanics people are stupid well people are stupid a huge there's been a huge swing in hispanic voters i would point out Mm -hmm. that the the, uh the double standard extends uh, far beyond just the base voter though it goes to the highest rungs of the political elite and the legacy media do you remember when uh trump did the uh uh, cinco de mayo uh taco uh salad of course the taco bowl yeah yeah trump tower makes the best bowls (laughs) Exactly. He was called absolutely racist. He was absolutely dragged for days for that. Jill Biden literally decided to compare Hispanic voters to breakfast tacos, saying, oh, my God, they're as diverse as all the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. You heard almost nothing. Uh, She apologized and they said, well, we're sure that she's very sorry. (laughs) It was a total double standard. Listen, when I when I called AOC a big booty Latina and I said you're hot, hot, hot like a hot tamale, people freaked out. They said, why would you sexualize her? Why would you call her hot tamale? I was like, the day before, Jill Biden literally called Mexicans freaking breakfast tacos. And on top of that, AOC wanted to get mad that I sexualized her. She's the same woman that cheerleads all of the funding in the state of New York for drag queen story time at libraries. They literally do not care if your teacher sexualizes these kids and gives them pornographic books and first grade, second grade. They want sex ed in kindergarten, basically. So these people that are sexualizing our children are actually doing fake outrage if they get they get mad that I say, oh, you're a big booty Latina. So, you know, it's just ridiculous what they can she, take she and what just, they can misconstrue. She, she just got upset about her weight loss regimen, I think, in that mm. situation. <laughs> she looks good, though. Honestly, she looks good. Now, now you've got to, I mean, you get to weigh in on Myra Flores at some point. <laughs> well, I know. And then, see, they're mad that, you know, she, she's, she won that for the first time in whatever, 50 years that a conservative candidate had won that district. Maybe it's like 80 years. And then she votes for amnesty to give people, uh, you know, uh, illegal immigrants uh, citizenship. But honestly, uh, I do think that is, what do they say, a red wave? I think there is a conservative wave coming. But at the same time, I look at Dr. Oz. He sucks. He's in Pennsylvania going against Fetterman. He's probably going to lose. Like, there's just – both politicians on both sides – or, you know, they, they pee on us and tell us it's raining. You know, we're never going to, uh, you know, idolizing a politician is like thinking the stripper actually likes you. So it's just kind of uh, people need to take accountability for their own 
universe and not let these politicians, you know, dictate whether they're happy or sad. That's why we need more individuality. Rugged individualism is what we need at some point. I couldn't agree more. But again, with the idea that even with the rugged individualism, there's always going to be some kind of a hierarchy, whether we like it or not. But uh, speaking of the Drag Queen Story Hour, uh, Styx, you remember Paul Rossi? Uh, he was on the stream where you and he were talking about the education system. He was the teacher of Grace Church uh, School who was kicked out for opposing CRT. He recently did an article in the Post Millennial talking about the uh, school head admits error for drag queen performance after parents threaten donor strike. And uh, the guy who's running the school right now, his name is uh, uh, Robbie Penover II, and he is a descendant of the financier J.P. Morgan, believe it or not. And he said over here, uh, however, he remained unapologetic about the goals of the drag performance at the chapel, which was towards affirming the value and worth of the LGBTQ plus members of our school community through drag performance for minors, defying critics who he claimed were disgusted that we would celebrate as beloved those people they disdain because of whom they love the pronouns they use or the clothes they wear any comments so yeah, so yeah when, when the donor when the donor class speaks up all of a sudden there's change when everyone else when the parents go to the uh the uh, uh parent conference with the teachers or something like that they call them extremists and the fbi looks into them the second that the donor to the school who cuts a half million dollar check every single year, the second that they complain, all of a sudden it's a different story. It's almost like there are rules for thee and not for me within the educational mm -hmm. system. This is why we need more charter schools and homeschooling. Definitely. Just, but he just fuck, the, fuck the public education system. It's useless. No, and, and it's useless at every level. I mean, it, you know, obviously the indoctrination starts at a young age, but then you get to college, it's even worse. I remember one of the first uh, classes I took at LSU, you know, we watched An Inconvenient Truth, and they said, oh, by the time, you know, in 10 years from now, we're going to be underwater, yada, yada, yada. It's just like, it's literally an indoctrination camp at every level, and I think it even gets stronger in college because you, you think it's you're on the right side of the morality. You think, you, have, you know, the moral superiority by being this like uh, instead of being an individual, like you were saying earlier, to, you know, just be a sheep and to just, you know, uh, get in line with everybody else. And that's like the worst thing we can do. We need to bring back the individualistic mindset for the youth instead of just following the leader. And before we get to uh, Super Chats, I know Sticks, you have a hard out at 10 o'clock, right? Yes. Okay, so before we get to the Super Chats, the last thing which I'm trying to see if there's a possibility of it uh, happening in the future is if you talked right now about the donor class and even there with uh, this uh, descendant of J.P. Morgan, he, even he's having a hard time pushing it into the direction that a lot of the parents actually want it to be pushed now. A lot of these rich New Yorkers... Like I said before, they don't like the wokeness in the schools. They don't like the rising crime rate. And the other thing that they don't like, though, is they don't like the idea of there being this individual like Donald Trump who would fire anybody that uh, disagrees with him, nor do, they nor do they like the impression that the media creates, which I think Trump has given a lot of ammunition towards creating. So like Alex, you said, of course, I agree with you that what Trump meant by the migrants is not what the media was uh, saying, but this is still why I wish in the future there would be some other candidate, somebody that will be able to come in, who I think a lot of these 
uptown New Yorkers are begging for, who would not be for the woke stuff, who would not be for the open borders, but at the same time, who would just not give all this ammunition, nor be somebody who would have a mindset that uh, is kind of authoritarian when it comes to just firing whoever, whoever he disagrees with or whoever says something negative about him. Well, just wait till more and more migrants get to New York City, then they might change their mind. They might become a Trump-pilled, I guess you'd say. Let's, let's see what happens. So we are going to get to the Super Chats right now. Let me open up the uh, stream labels, which I forgot to do. And also, listen, everybody here, check out all the older episodes of Break the Rules. We're going to have a lot more wonderful streams coming at you. I'm currently negotiating with various guests. So we are going to have a couple of very interesting people coming in soon. Ariel Pink is going to be back with us. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And not only is it going to be Ariel Pink, but I just got a confirmation from Winston Marshall, who, if you guys don't know who Winston Marshall is, he is a very famous musician. He was a guitarist for uh, the band called, uh, uh, what was it called? Mumford and Sons. So oh, he is... Wow. So he's going to be on with Ariel Pink on Break the Rules. We're just negotiating when exactly that's happening, but that should be happening very, very soon. So anyway, I'm going to go to – and once again, patreon.com slash break the rules. Become a patron. Here is a link to the Patreon. So go there. You are not going to regret it. There are very beautiful magnets that my father, Alexander, created just for you. So check out the wonderful perks. Anyway, here are the super chats. Here we go. Um, one hour ago, Sebastian Monroe, two dollars. Preemptive, preemptive clang for kitties. Um, Adam Thumb, four ninety nine. Hey Alex, would you ever troll Swalwell by dressing up as a lady of the night, asking him to cheat on his wife again? Yeah, well, I'm gonna be there the first week of September. I, I fly there September sixth. And I'm going to get a, uh, I'm going to be in DC and I'm going to get an Asian actress off of Craigslist and I'm going to say she's Fang Fang and I'm going to confront Swalwell and say, this is Fang Fang, she's pregnant, do you want her to get an abortion? So this will be good, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, Eric Swalwell and Elon Omar, I want to, you know, confront her about marrying her brother. Those two are like the top of my list of people that I want to confront. Wait, is it Stix's, <laughs> wait, is it Stix's birthday today? No, that's that's a joke in chat. It's not uh, my birthday till January. All right, there we go. Doctor Zayodin, sick, uh, ten pounds or ten? No, ten euros. Uh, I, I can't tell these icons apart. Uh, is this the meetings of the superminds, Alex and Sticks? Thank you, BTR, for hosting these wonderful bastards. Clank. <laughs> Thank you, good doctor. Order control balance two pounds. Public school equals MPC factory. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you on the idea that public schools should be diminished and charter schools. Like even I, I did a Google map search of uh, this place in uh, Indiana, Gary, Indiana, which is considered to be a very horrible, dangerous place, even for people who are passing by. Yet there, there was like this leadership academy and it was given all these wonderful, wonderful reviews while the public school, not that far away from it, was basically reviewed as just being these places where parents just dump their kids at and just leave them there. Mm -hmm. So basically already- like a daycare yeah. center. Yeah. yeah. So that would definitely be the way to go. I'm going to see if there are any more Super Chats here. But while I'm looking at that, Sticks, are there any questions that you are burning to ask uh, the powerful Alex Stein 99 prime time? <laughs> yes. Other than those, are there any other people that are on your list of trolling? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, you know. I think the Bernie Sanders, I would like to ask him, though, a serious question about Seth Rich, who I feel like was, you know, murdered. So I'd really like to talk to Bernie. And that's the other thing. It's like, I'll go after people on the right. You know, I, uh, you know, I, I went after Ted Cruz. I went after Dan Crenshaw. So I'd like to get Crenshaw again, because some of these politicians have the thinnest skin. That's what I sticks. That's what I don't believe. I figured if you got into power like that, you would have had to deal with, like, whether you're right wing, you had to deal with the leftist mob. If you're left wing, you would have to deal with the, the right mob. <laughs> But no, that's not the case. These people live in a vacuum where everybody kisses their butt. So as soon as you say you're Patch McCain, he ran to the left-wing media to protect him and, you know, said that he was assaulted and lied. And then AOC played the victim. So these big, bad politicians, they want to play the victim. So I, I got a laundry list of people I need to get after. But Elan Omar and, and Eric Swalwell, those are one and two that I want to get. Mm. With Crenshaw, just make sure you don't come up on his blind side or he won't see you. So... I know. That's what everybody says. You know, they, they play the meme uh, where they did the video where I confronted him and they just made half the screen black. I thought that was funny. And they said it was from his perspective. <laughs> and, and with Bernie, he's like 86. So you, you better hurry up. <laughs> and I kind of like Bernie. You know, I don't even hate Bernie. I just I hate that what happened to Seth Rich. He didn't even, you know, he totally gave that election to v Hillary. Vermonter, like he's Vermonter here, uh, Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I, I troll him hard. Do it for yeah, me. Yeah, no, I'm going to troll him. But it's it just, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> If uh, if I was advising Dan Crenshaw, I tell him to get a parrot. Oh jeez, nah, that would make him more popular, probably. Yes. Yeah, no people people have to uh, make fun of themselves a little bit more. But do you ever think that you would uh, have any contentions, or let's say in the future, if Alex Stein finds something within not the more neoconservative uh, Republicans, but something that Trump supporters are for, uh, whether it's something religious or something that you may not be that big of a fan of, would you feel like you would be able to say something against them, or do you feel like if that's done, then you wouldn't be welcome in certain functions like that's kind of like the thing i'm trying to figure out here whether you're dan crenshaw whether you're any entertainer or politician if you kind of go against whatever it is that's your tribe then you're going to get excluded do you think that that limits people in a certain way from expanding well, well, most most people for sure but i'm not part of a tribe because like i spoke at the dallas county young republicans and ted cruz complained about that they actually had me originally banned at cpac but luckily i'm friends with congresswoman uh you know uh with the marjorie taylor green so she helped get me access back to cpac so no there's people on the right that that don't like me either you know so I, no no you know, but that's different right but that's a different tribe that's what i'm trying to figure out here the marjorie taylor green that's one tribe and ted cruz that's another tribe even if his yeah. tribe is a little bit closer to the trump side so so if there was something that you would find faulty or uh, bad about Marjorie Taylor Greene, would you oh, be yeah. in a position that you would be able to speak about well, without getting, you know? Yeah, I'm friendly with her. And her and I have had dinner multiple times and we've we've argued about stuff. Yeah, she's actually based in reality. She's like a mama bear. She's not one of these people that's like a know-it-all uh, identity politics person. She's America first. So, yeah, her and I don't agree on everything for sure. Yeah, you know, there's definitely stuff. She's like, Alex, you're an idiot about that. So, yeah. Uh, um, and, and honestly, I'm friendly to people that are friendly to me. Like, like, I'll go after anybody. But if somebody's like personally friendly to me, I don't usually go after them. I try to make friends with the people like the people that I troll or the people that I go after, usually they're not nice to me. I, I consider myself a nice guy and I like to spread the good vibrational energy, not the negative vibrational energy. And I only try to troll people that I think like AOC that are trying to abort all these babies that are actually doing bad in the world. I don't try to troll people that I think are, are trying to do good in my opinion. I did have one last question. Uh, how do you take your steak if you're not a vegetarian? 
How well done. Well, I mean, of course, you know, just cut off the horns, wipe its ass, <laughs> and put it on a plate, medium rare. Come on, we don't want to cook it. You don't want to cook it. Thank the better the steak, you know, the, the less you want to cook it. <laughs> this has now become the uh, trolling Razor Fist stream, by the way, Lev. <laughs> oh, man, I would definitely love for Razor Fist to come on BTR one of these days. So uh, we'll see what happens in the future. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching. Really appreciate it. Once again, patreon.com slash break the rules. And one final thing, I'm going to be doing a lot more of these shorts where I edit them uh, to a very big extent. Like I add music, I add a lot of clips in the background, kind of like a Monty Python style thing. So if you want to see an example of that, I'm going to link to it right after the stream is over in the card. But here is a link in the chat right now. Go in there. And lastly, for the people who are on Discord, join the Break the Rules Discord. I would love to get uh, to know you guys more, what you think, what you believe here's the discord link so go there and finally sticks and alex is there anything you guys would want to promote uh let me know no i just appreciate you having me on uh you know follow my twitter follow my instagram primetime stein and uh it's an honor to meet you sticks i really appreciate you coming on with me the honor is all mine i, I love the aoc video that mm. was uh it was exquisite we're gonna get some more we're gonna be there the first week of september september 6th i'll be in dc on this in the capital steps Nice. Owens, oh, uh, 1999 US dollars from Treb Boom X. Vote out the rhinos. All right, there we I go. I agree. See, see, I think that's almost worse is the people that, you know, say they're on your side and just lie to your face. Yeah. Mm. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to be concluding the stream. Thank you guys so much for watching. I will see you soon. Good night, everybody.